Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined with John Ronaldo on this special live edition. John, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm think- we're thinking a lot about what the world is going to look like. Can't really say post-COVID because I feel like post-COVID is going to be a long time from now because it continues to stretch on and on and on and on and on. But uh, I'm excited to see kind of how church world is going to react uh, to all of this as we start to open up, as we start to kind of figure out what are the next steps. And, uh, and, and it's really exciting, but it's also a little bit scary, I think, for me as I, as I think about the future because it's like there are still so many unknowns. We don't have a lot of data yet to point us in the direction of what's going to work, what's not going to work. But I, I think overall I'm excited today. Maybe yesterday I wasn't so excited. I don't know. My, my emotions vary day by day. I don't know about you, Chris, but that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah I have to agree. My emotions uh, are day to day. Actually, today is the first day of summer uh, vacation for my boys. So um, it's kind of nice to actually be able to do work at home and not worry about whether they have to jump on a Zoom call <laughs> or with their teachers or anything like that. Um, you know, handling this technology has been um, a challenge, uh, you know, for us personally, but also for us professionally. And uh, that's why I'm, I'm so excited about today's conversation and, uh, you know, returning special guest, uh, Rich Curran. Uh, Rich, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. It's always nice to be invited back. And you know, I was like, wow, my kids have been out of school for a long time, but I have college kids, so they tend to finish a little earlier. <laughs> my, my, yeah. Mine have been out for about two, three weeks now, so I've been, enjoy, I've been enjoying the summer phase these days. Well, and I think uh, uh, East Coast schools usually end later and start later, but, um, you know, we're not talking about schools today. We're, we're, no. we're, we're talking about, I think, something that has been so challenging yet also rewarding um, for for many of us in church world, and uh, you know it's it's it, it's coming. You know it was a conversation when when quarantine first happened, right? Like how do we get mass out to people? How do we keep people connected? And 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 so we talked about social media and live streaming and everything like that. And now that things are opening up, and um, and that people can come back into church and worship and receive the Eucharist, it's kind of that question again of like, well what's the role of live stream? What's the role of, um, you know, video streaming um, in the life of the parish? And, and you know, um, just to give people context uh, that are watching, you know, uh, I, I guess the crew at Parish Success Group was having a conversation about this, right? Because some of your clients were, were asking you guys questions. And so John reached out and said, hey, do you want to talk about this? And, uh, you know, uh, coincidentally, uh, we were just opening up um, uh, um, for mass in, in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And so I was looking at our numbers for live streaming in that first weekend. And I said, yeah, because what I'm seeing initially and granted it's still early is pretty interesting. So um, John, Rich, why don't you guys give the context a little bit of like how, like what your, some of your clients are saying or what you guys are hearing around in church world in regards to this conversation about opening up live streaming, keeping things going and so forth. John, why don't you, well, I think I think we, we don't have enough data to say that it's conclusive, right? But I think we're starting to get some some information from people that's kind of telling us what direction the faithful are going. You know, so I've been talking with people across the country. Rich, you have. Chris, do you have? And it wasn't until this week that I discovered 
two parishes that actually filled to their their max capacity uh, based in, in their quarantine stuff, you know, and in, in, in their regulations. There were only two parishes out of a whole bunch across the country that have filled up. And, and to be fair, the two parishes that I'm talking about are here in Vegas. These are our 8,000 uh, member fan, you know, churches that were only allowed 50 at each mass, you know, and so these are like super big churches, like 1200, 1800 seats, and they're only allowed 50, 50 inside of them. So that was the first, this week was the first I heard about any parish across the country that actually filled to max capacity, given their restrictions. However, again, large parish, very, very small number, but we're not seeing the numbers, you know, come up, like even some of the bigger parishes, I've heard from parishes in Texas and other places that they still, they've been open for a handful of weeks and they haven't hit max capacity. And so it's intriguing to kind of see, are people coming back? Are they not coming back? Why are they not coming back? And that's part of the analysis I think we, we need to have here. But Rich, I think people are getting annoyed by me, especially my clients and other folks, because I keep saying, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Are we thinking two, three, four, five steps ahead as opposed to just thinking, open up, open up, open up, right? And, and, and I think that's a challenge for folks. And, and I, think, uh, I think that's part of our job, right? You know, all of us here on this, on this podcast, I think it's part of our job to keep pushing the conversation and saying, what's going to work? What's not going to work? We can't just think the next step. We have to think two, three, four, five steps ahead. Um, and it's very difficult to do in this time of uncertainty. Yeah, I would, I would concur with that. Um, you know, uh, Chris, for your... Um, advantage and for the listeners too. I, I had been doing, and, and I'm getting asked now in several locations around the country to repeat the same webinar. I did a webinar about just five essential considerations as you begin to uh, open back up. And, and the original one was sponsored by St. Mary's Press. Uh, we we kind of did it together. And I don't know what there's 750 some odd people jumped on board. And now I've done it with some other dioceses and some other locations. And it's been interesting to watch that conversation because John, to your point about, you know, are we get, are, are we making suggestions or are there people out there in the various blogs or posts or whatever it is that, you know, people are receiving or consuming their information? Uh, are we two, three steps ahead? I, I also think ironically to, today is June 12th. I think the next week, or two, we could see another shift because uh, quite frankly, uh, the potential rise in the COVID cases coming back after all the protests, we, we may see another spin here in the next week or two. We're just gonna have to kind of wait and see. But so John, to, to your point, my observation is, I think one of the things that's, that's complicating things, the, the, the conversation originally was, is our coming back too, I don't know if convoluted is the word, but too confusing for people. Is it too, too many hoops and who gets to sign up and then people being naturally like, well, if I don't want to go every week because then other people can't come. And if I go and I have a family, you know, I'm an Irish Catholic family. So if we have nine in our family, that means all these other people can't come. And, and so are we overthinking it and are we complicating it? Is that, again, we don't know, we don't have that data yet, but, um, but quite frankly, the constantly changing recommendations of the CDC uh, and local, depending upon the state that people live in, the local state and local situations, I think are, 
are aiding to that and causing things to be a little more difficult. Um, the church wants to be safe, wants our parishioners to be safe. Um, but the question we came up with is, um, is there harm in just waiting and continuing to stay away until we can all come back together instead of doing it in parts? And, and what are the pros, what are the cons of that? You know, and so some of the conversations, at least our conversation at Prayer Success Group began to stir with um, Rich's observation. And so I just want to quantify that it was my my opinion and my observation of reading some, some articles and blog posts of it's a rush to, and John used the word, which was a better word than I used, but it was the rush to consume Jesus versus truly understanding the fullness of Eucharist and, and, and the consuming so that Jesus could be with us even on the cellular level is certainly critical to being Catholic and something we want. But we also have to remember, or maybe some of your viewers don't know, but we didn't celebrate mass weekly uh, only until a hundred years ago. Uh, that was not the norm and that spiritual communion was the norm. And so what we're being forced into um, and we're dying to return, we're actually returning to something that was, is a hundred year old practice. Prior to that, that's not the practice of the church. So when we start throwing around words where we have to, or we must, it causes me to sit and think and say, how are we forming people about Eucharist? And what does that do for the majority in the United States, according to all the research and all this conversation about evangelization to the seekers who don't understand that the Eucharist is the real presence and haven't come to that spiritual development level. So are we, are, are we making it difficult for them? So there's just a lot of issues that stirred this conversation. And what is our responsibility as leaders, as pastoral leaders to navigate those waters? And to your point with the Pew Research stuff, right? You know, 60, what was it, 65, 70% of active Catholics who are attending Mass on a regular basis don't believe in the real presence, right? And so we're, we're having this conversation about opening up so that people can, can consume Eucharist. And, and parishes have certainly been getting calls from people saying, when are you opening? Open it up, open up, right? You know, you know and I wonder you know, if that's from the, the vocal minority who really want it and get it and understand, you know, that this concept of Eucharist, but there's a, a large majority who aren't there. Right. And that's a, that's a question for us that I think we need to address. And what a perfect weekend, you know, to, to address that is, is, is the weekend of Corpus Christi, uh, you know, and, and are we preaching on that? Are we going to talk about that, that, that concept of what does Eucharist really mean? What's it all about? I, I just think that's a powerful message especially in light of the fact that we haven't been able to receive it for months now. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because um, also seeing people's reactions um, on uh, social media, you know, to what's going on, like with things opening up and, and, and everything. And um, uh, just the, uh, you know, uh, just the sense of relief, uh, the people's excitement um, to receive the Eucharist and everything like that. And um, yet I'm looking at, you know, our, our streaming numbers, uh, my parish is streaming numbers, which, which I oversee and everything. And 
there wasn't even a drop. Actually, we probably had more people watching um, this past weekend than we did the previous weekend, which was uh, uh, Pentecost, right? So it was kind of interesting in that, uh, looking at that. And, and so I, I looked to see, was the weather nicer, um, you know, that weekend than, than the weekend before? Um, you know, we did have people come back to our church, but it makes me wonder, you know, and here, you know, being reminded of that research from the Pew, right? Like um, how it reminds me of how we need to, um, we haven't done a great job over the years of, uh, with the catechesis of the Eucharist, right? And um, because I, I think people are wondering, okay, church has opened up, but if I'm not really able to interact with everyone else, then why should I go? Um, and so it makes me think, all right, now that things are opening up um, and we wanna continue to live stream, what are we doing in the live stream? Or what are we doing with all of our um, online efforts to recatechize people and to show them that, you know, when they do come and when it's safe to come back to church, that uh, there's a higher value than just this weekend obligation that they're checking the box. I mean, does that make sense? Like, so my, my, I guess the question I have for you guys is, you know, what are some things that maybe you're seeing with, with your clients or around there where people are not just like putting on a camera and streaming mass, but actually taking that opportunity to re-educate and re-catechize um, or catechize people into why celebrating mass in person it does have value? Um, it, you know, as far as what's being done on that, I, I honestly, I don't know how many are having that conversation. I think that's my greatest concern. I, I think most are having the conversation. Now we're speaking in generalities, right? So, you know, for any of the listeners who are watching this or watching it recorded, understand there's always exceptions to that. But my observations in talking to folks all around the country, I don't think most people, most parishes are having that conversation. I think most parishes are worrying about the technical, how do we get people in? How many pews do we need to block off? Um, what is 25% capacity? Do we need to give out tickets? Do we have a sign up genius? Do we, you know, I think they're thinking about the logistics of opening up. I don't, I am not aware of too many parishes that are actually engaged in dialogue and some really innovative thought, being thought leaders about the why and speaking to the why, because let's be honest, it's been three, four months. There's a lot of people pretty comfortable going to mass in their pajamas, right? And so one of the things that I've been trying to express in certainly the webinars and conversations I'm having with different folks, and in particular, when I gather clergy, we have to start having a conversation about why we need to return and to consume Jesus. Now we're right back to the conversation. Well, 80% of the people don't believe that's what they're doing, who are active church members. So maybe there is some catechesis needs to go on, but what about the whole communal aspect? Like, you know, there's four presences of Jesus in liturgy, technically speaking, right? And when I see people, pastoral leaders, writing articles in newspapers and blogs, talking about, I just can't wait because I've just, I've missed Jesus as if he went somewhere, right? And isn't he fully present in, in the word? Have we been doing the, you know, the liturgy of the word at home with our families? And, you know, so there's just a lot of, um, I think we have a lot of work to do. I understand worrying about the logistics. 
most parishes, quite frankly, are just going to do whatever the diocese tells them to do anyway. And so I, I, I don't know, John, are you seeing that or Chris and your clients you're working with? I, I'm not hearing a lot of thought around, is this an opportunity to really help people understand the liturgy, not just the consumption of Eucharist? I'm, I, I'm not hearing that. No, nobody's asking why. And, and we've, we've done that episode, Chris. We've talked a little bit about the why, and we encourage that conversation of, of the why. But, but I, I'm not sensing that. And, and really, I think the why really comes down to two things. There, there's well, why parishes are choosing to open up is I, I think there is this vocal minority who, who wants to come back, who are going to come back no matter what. No matter what church looks like, whether it's in a barn or in a church or in a parking lot, they're going to be there. You know, um, and there's a vocal minority, but it's a it's a vocal group of people who are putting pressure um, to, to pastors and bishops and whoever else say, Let, let's open up, let's open up for this. And, and, and again, I'm not against opening up. Like, let's just have good conversation. Why? But I think the second factor that really is going to not be said because we can't say it as church but there's absolutely an economic factor in this decision, right? Because we've, we've talked about the reality that revenues have decreased, right? And so uh, substantially for many parishes. And so what's our revenue stream? Our revenue stream is people coming to mass. And so to try to start bringing people in, you know, so to increase the revenue uh, is, is part of people's thinking. It has to be, there's no doubt about it. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, are those reasons enough, right? Are we, are we thinking beyond those two things and all the restrictions in the conversation? So the economic piece and, and the communion piece, I think are huge. But no, I, I don't think people are having that conversation. But there is one client I'm working with who they're doing kind of uh, streaming mass, but they're encouraging people to come into the parking lot right, in their cars, watch it from their phone, and then they, they have a distribution of communion in the parking lot you know, outside, uh, and, and they have no cap. There's no, no, no number, you know, that that's a max that they can have. So they can keep having as many people as possible uh, attend that. And they've made a decision to say, we're going to wait till we are allowed to have 50% capacity, because then what we can do is we can have 50% capacity in church, but then we can open up a parish hall gym, right? and have the other 50%. So if everybody wanted to come, they could. Like they're intentionally strategizing this parking lot way of doing it. Everybody can come right now. And then when we get to 50% capacity, we can make it work where everybody can still come if they choose to. That way they're not alienating people, you know, and say whoever has access to the technology or the phone to RSVP first or whatever like that, you know, uh, can come. Everybody can still come. That's not the reality right now. And one of my concerns is that are we starting to alienate people, right? The haves, the haves nots, you know, whoever has, you know, the internet access at the right time can, can go sign up or, or make the phone call or whatnot because they're available. You know, um, that doesn't sit right with people, especially when we talk about this idea that all are welcome, right? That, that, that song that we all know, all are welcome, all are welcome, except during COVID. You know, and, and, and that's an interesting reality that we have to play with. So what's going to be people's reaction? Rich, you had mentioned something earlier this week saying, you know, I think when all the restrictions are gone, you, you were predicting, and I tend to agree with you, that we, our numbers are going to be less in mass attendance than pre-COVID, 
Like people aren't going to be rushing back, right? You know, we're not going to see that. And then you were saying, well, it's because they're still streaming masses. So we should get rid of the streaming. So they're going to get rid of the streaming, expecting more people to come back. And no, we think that's not going to happen. I just think there's an interesting analysis to have there and kind of thinking, again, thinking long-term, thinking that through. Yeah, well, now just to be clear, <laughs> I'm not saying, well, just get rid of the streaming masses. No, saying, we're not. I think there is a, a there is the chance that some will respond that way, that some will say, well, they're not coming. And without any sort of data, they will immediately leap to, it's because we're streaming, we weren't doing it before, therefore, get rid of streaming and everybody will come back. It's kind of the they need to come because we say so we're making it too easy. We're watering down the mass for them. I'm using this in other analogies now, right? So we're watering down the mass. So get rid of streaming and everybody will come back. Well, the reality is that's probably not why they're not coming back in the first place. You know, the, the, when we immediately went into quarantine around the country, there was a tremendous rush to by many parishes anyway, to call all of our members and to reach out at least to as many as we had information for and check in on them. It's been fascinating to me when I ask, is that still happening on a regular basis? How many parishes say no? And if there was ever a time, even if you skipped it for three months, if there was ever a time to get back on the phone and start talking to all of our parishioners, wouldn't now be the time as we're trying to navigate this, should we come back, should we not? And instead of assuming or presuming what people's fears or worries are, wouldn't we, can we just ask them, you know, how are you feeling? What, what do you need? What do you think? And, and I know some parishes maybe are doing that. Some are sending it out through emails, but the mass letters have dwindled. We did it in, immediately, but then we stopped. Mm-hmm. We, we called everybody in a lot of parishes, but then we stopped. And so it was like, wait a second, are you committed to reaching out to your people or are you not? Are you committed to being in a relationship? And is it possible that the reason they wouldn't come back is because we stopped reaching out to them? And again, I don't know. I don't have data on that. But anyway. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's a great uh, question because one one of my concerns about – the fact that we're opening up or anytime you go through this change is like, um, are we going to lose sight of some of the best practices that were adopted or inherited? And one of those was the fact that parishes were calling their, their people, right? I think that's a best practice that should continue despite what's going on in the world, right? Is uh, parish staffs and and volunteers checking in on, um, on their parish community and just seeing how life is going because as we're learning, so many different things can like pop up, right? Um, and uh, and I think I think that is key. Um, the other thing is we're not out of the woods um, by any means with this coronavirus. I mean, we've seen some spikes popping up and everything. There are still those predictions out there, right? That um, you know a second uh, surge or a second um, phase of this can come in. And so the question that I'm I'm that's running in my mind, especially as the person that's overseeing not just youth ministry, but streaming in my parish is what are we doing now to boost it so that when this happens, if this happens again and we have to close our doors, you know, and we can't have people that the experience is even more fruitful. Right. Because I think initially the the mantra, at least in our parish was let's just get online. Right. Let's just get online. And now it's kind of like, all right, 
how are we investing in this in the long haul? And so while opening up, there's that desire there. I, I, and again, I'm not anti opening up, um, but I, I think it can be a distraction to some of the longer term things or the best practices that we adopted during quarantine that do need to be continued. And, and, and I'd love to see um, more parishes have these kind of conversations and talk about, okay, while we open up, you know, how are we boosting up some of these other habits that we adopted during quarantine that should stay and should continue? Um, I know that's a conversation we're having in our youth ministry, um, you know, in the next couple of days, but uh, it, it's something that I, I think parishes should look at and start making a list of those best habits um, or those good habits that we picked up during quarantine. Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about strategy, right? So, so there's a lot of thought going in in the last week or two about strategy to reopen up. You know, and again, it depends upon where you are. Is it 50 people or is it percentage of capacity or whatever? And that's different from state to state and diocese to diocese. But there's a tremendous amount of thought going into that strategy. How much thought and energy is there going into our communications and digital strategy in most parishes? Well, you know, also, though, in fairness, um, how many... Um, churches also have like a, a full-time live streaming person, you know, it's, it, it, I think that's the like opening, even though we've never, or at least in my recollection, there's never been a time where we've really closed down and then reopened up right in this sort of situation. Um, the idea of opening up your church after, you know, two weeks of uh, snow cl uh, closings, um, maybe that's not a reality for you, Rich, in your neck of the woods, but you know, it's like we closed down for two weeks because of, of snow, we reopen up. But the idea of starting a live stream or a tech ministry or a department in your church from scratch, um, that can be highly overwhelming, especially if you don't have people in your congregation um, that um, that are willing to you know, put in that work or have that ability or that know how to do that. So I, I can kind of see the I can kind of understand the lack of documentation out there about like going technical because really we haven't been doing that well as a church for years. And I don't know if that's fair to say or not, but, um, but yeah, that, that's the one thing that crosses my mind. Well, it is now to be fair, but the church told us to do that 15, 20 years ago when the national directory for catechesis came out, right? It's in there that every parish should have a digital studio and begin to plan for this. And so we're, we're behind the eight ball when the reality is once again, the church in her wisdom was waving the flag years ago to say, let's get on this. And now we're in the middle of a crisis and in the middle of the crisis, not time to solve it. Yeah. Um, that said, if we don't at least consider that, and I'm aware that it's very difficult, but we also have parishioners typically who are in this space who could help us. Um, are we avoiding that question because we assume the future and the future of church is going to look like the past? Honestly, I think we're avoiding it because of the price tag. Um, you know, because... I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me being like, Hey, Chris, what can I do for a thousand dollars? It's like buy a used iPhone <laughs> and, and, and stream. But it's like, you know, this, uh, uh, and, and this, this is where we really do have to take into uh, the haves and the have nots. Right. And, and not every church can provide this, but 
Like it, it is a financial investment and where churches are hurting with, with uh, finances, if they don't see the uh, return on the investment or the necessity, you know, the absolute necessity of this, like, like, I don't want to overstate it, but I, I, I think it's often understated is just your investment in technology will um, reap so many benefits if and not cut corners. Um, but I really do think the big deterrence or what's held people back is the price tag um, because it's not an easy price tag to look at. I think beyond the, the price, I, I don't think you're wrong, Chris, especially since most people's finances have gone down. But, but I think, Rich, what, what you're really, really leading us towards is, is the fact that are we going back to church as business as usual, right? We use that term a lot. Like, you know, are we expecting as COVID winds down that we're just going to go back to what we were doing before? And are we going to lose some of the evangelization zeal that we had during these quarantine times because all of a sudden we didn't have people inside we're like how do we reach them right and and that's when we get all creative are we going to lose all of that right and kind of go back to okay business as usual okay good we don't have to worry about that we can all the stuff we did during covid we'll just put it aside because we don't need it anymore because everybody can come back on site now well no i mean that's not what the church is calling us to do we should uh, go back to this opportunity. COVID is this opportunity, right, for us. And we need to take that. What are we going to take with us and move forward? But but part of it is that, that zeal for evangelization that I think was so awesome to see during the COVID quarantine. Are we going to move away from that now uh, and business as usual? And, and if we do, we're going to see numbers not where they were pre-COVID. You know, they're going to be less, right? We're not going to be doing effective outreach and you know and that's a concern it's a concern of mine and, and and the reason i keep bugging people and doing podcast episodes like this is like i like, let's think ahead let's think we can't just be focused on this that's right in front of us right now and that's a huge challenge for us sure sure well so let um i, I know we've thrown out a couple of things that we want parishes to do but let, let's kind of uh, let's narrow that down a little bit let's um because uh, not that we can create a five-step plan to help churches save themselves through this. I think one, it's just having the conversation. But um, if parishes are really concerned about, you know, their attendance or I hate saying attendance, but let's just say their engagement, right? Their their membership and their engagement. Let because um, I think that's really the the deeper issue, right? Um, what are some What are some of the things that they should be doing? right now like what are uh we've talked about a couple of those conversations but let's revisit that what are some of the conversations that parish leadership parish staff should be having at this moment well i i first of all i think they should be having conversations okay and and, i mean it sounds like an obvious first step but the reality is they're not all uh there are plenty of parishes around the country that have gone into shutdown mode they're not meeting as a team. They're not meeting as staff. So the first thing that they need to do is be meeting on a regular basis and have some intentionality to that. The, the, the second part of that question, which, which maybe is related to the previous conversation about this technology and money and everything is, now I know I tend to be out there, right? I, I, I tend to, more people refer to me as a visionary than a type A details guy, right? But who said every parish needs to have their own? See, to me, that's an old model. This St. Mary's versus St. Joseph and every parish has their own thing goes completely against church teaching. 
but yet it is an institutionalized mindset. And so what if in a community, in rural America, it's a little bit more challenging, but in certainly in our urban areas, couldn't there be a center in a strip mall somewhere that is the communication hub for that town? So like I live in the town of Appleton, Wisconsin. There are seven Catholic parishes. I advocated years ago to buy up an old building that was owned by a Catholic, by the way. And I said, we need to turn that into a community Catholic center. And that's where I would place the technology hub for all of the parishes. And so it becomes a shared resource for the mission not my parish. See, I think that's what has to change. I think that notion that my parish, we take care of our needs and our people, that flies in the face of one holy apostolic church. Like we have got to get out of that parochial institutionalized mindset. I think, and and quite frankly, the people are pushing us away from that. So that's one conversation I'd be having right now with people is how are we falling into that? And two, always difficult. And if you get comments, it'll probably don't ever let that bald guy back on your show again. (laughs) Um, And that's okay. But if I'm a pastor right now and I'm a pastoral council and finance council at a parish, I think I have to start having some conversations about, over the next year or two, will we learn that the church has pivoted and our response to the needs have pivoted that we have to change our entire staffing model? Do we need all the same people in all the same positions to do the same thing they were doing before this? Um, and, And I'm not advocating for people to start getting fired. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am saying is if you're afraid of the question, then you don't understand what it means to be about the mission and to adapt to changing needs. And so can we have shared resources among parishes and schools? You know, there are virtual assistants now. Do we need to have a secretary sitting behind a desk? And you know, like, there's just so many models we can look. Do we have to have a religious ed coordinator who sits there, you know, like, can we, over the next year or two, be very mindful to say, if it's about the mission, and if it's about reaching more and catechizing more and leading people through a model similar to the RCA, then what does our staffing need to look like in order to accomplish that? Not, well, we have a DRE, we have a youth minister, we have a secretary, so everybody goes back to the same position. Well, what if those positions need to pivot? Um, now I know I'm getting way ahead because people want simple answers right now in complicated times, but those are the kind of questions. And by the way, it's not me being radical. It's in the church documents. It says specifically in evangelization for the modern world that we must be willing to change methodologies in order to meet the changing needs of our times. Well, what are the, we have to read the signs of the times it says in the documents, right? Well, what are the signs of the times and how are we adapting to that? That's a conversation I'd be having as a staff. Even if that meant my position might have to change in the future or be eliminated. Well, you, you know, like, uh, um, 
I, 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 I definitely agree with a, a lot of what you're saying. Um, and, 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 you know, um, you, you said you made the statement that uh, people are, might be looking for simple answers. I think the simplest thing, the, the best thing is just having those what if conversations, right? Um, and you mentioned, you know, staff roles, I would add into that, not just staff roles, but also uh, staff uh, functionality or office culture, right? Because I'll tell you what I feel ever since I started telecommuting and granted um, I've gone into the office like twice a week, once to help with the streaming and once just to, you know, there's all the intangibles that pop up. Right. And, but I found myself more in touch with the community, uh, with our parishioners um, because I'm not trapped in the walls of the parish office. Right. So it even makes you think like, well, church buildings might not need to go anywhere um, or uh, uh, Catholic schools, buildings might not need to go anywhere. Do we really need that, you know, large parish office building? Um, you know, can we convert those into community centers like you, you mentioned, um, you know, things along those lines. So I've been thinking like uh, a lot, not just how do uh, parish staffs look, but how do parish, like how does parish professional life function um, throughout the week? And yeah, just having those conversations and, and, and I, um, not to speak for you, Rich, but I assume like we're not saying you have to have that figured out by the end of the summer well, or a couple year, years. next year. Well, yeah. well, we don't even know what the trends are. The reality right. is I think this is something we got to watch for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, we have to watch what happens in the next couple of years, but, but even put COVID aside, the reality is we know it. We have plenty of data to say what the, our current models aren't working, right? You know, so, so COVID aside, you know, let, we should be doing this. We should be, we should be asking the hard questions, which is a question that many people don't want to ask because it is hard, right? You know, so yeah, we can wait to get some more data and, and I think we're going to get some more COVID data, but I think we know some of the trends are going to happen. I think it's safe to say that a lot of us think you're not going to reach pre-COVID mass attendance post-COVID because that's been the trend even before COVID, right? You know, so it's not, it's not a far leap to say that, right? And so, but yet, going back to your idea about the relationality of all this, so many people responded so positively to those phone calls, right? So not only do, how do we keep doing this, but what else do we do that's really about relationship, right? That's not about programs, right? And that's the shift, right? Um, you know, we're, we're, we need to move away from this programmatic way of doing things. We've got our RE model that's September through April and sacraments happen here and, 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 and then we shut down during the summer, right? You know, uh, and move more towards two to people, towards people, right? Uh, that's, I think, that's where we're stuck. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like that's where we're stuck. And we've been that way for decades. Yeah, you know, Chris, I think that your, your question, what can people do immediately? What are some conversations they could have is how do we, how do we create some sense of permanency to what pretty much was universal? I mean, I, no matter where I spoke to folks, whether it was West Coast, East Coast, North, South, whatever, that notion of reaching out to all parishioners early on seemed to be a home run everywhere. And, and not only from the staff, but the parishioners themselves, that that was a winner. So how do we create permanency? How do we create a relationship manager 
Um, is that a paid, is it part-time, whatever, but somebody who, one, makes sure that our database is never outdated again, but two, is finding ways to stay in contact on a regular basis. Maybe it's by a team, maybe it's a Maybe that's a whole new committee that's created, but whatever it is, but having some intentionality saying we can never go back to falling out of relationship with our people again. I don't care whether the second wave comes or not. What we learned is we have been poor at that. It worked. We've got to find permanency to that. And so having some intentional conversation around that um, to say, when our couples get married, we're not just going to hope they come on Sunday. We are going to create a strategy to engage them throughout the first couple years of their marriage to accompany, according to the church language, to accompany them in that sacrament. Same with parents so that we don't see these big drop-offs. So what's our solution to that? Maybe that's its own commission, right, at a, at a parish. Um, I think that's an immediate thing that we have evidence for the need. We have evidence that it worked and it clearly aligns with the mission of the church. I think that's one thing every parish, um, whether you're rural or urban, whether you're wealthy or poor, you can absolutely do that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it seems like this is going to be an ongoing conversation for quite a while because, yeah. uh, as much as things are opening up, uh, you know, they're uh, not to, this sounds hopeless, but there's not an end in sight, but that's okay because um, we don't have to have it figured out uh, right at this moment. Um, but I, I think the takeaway for this is start start talking, start having conversations and start dreaming big and, and thinking beyond, you know, your comfort zone, because that's where a lot of those, um, that's where a lot of those ideas are going to come that aren't just going to help your church, but it's going to help the universal church as well. Um, John, any uh, final thoughts or, or questions you want to throw out there uh, um, just for us to think about as we wrap up? Yeah, for me, I'm really, this conversation has helped solidify for me and locked onto this idea of that, going back to the term I used before, the, the evangelization zeal, right? It's like, I don't want to lose that. That was so fun to watch you know, during COVID. And it's uh, crazy to say that, right? But people, man, our parishes, those of you who are watching and listening to this, you all got creative. And I tell you, I was sucking that all in and, and so that I could share that with other people, right? I don't want to lose that because I think there were so many benefits to that. And so, yes, we get to open up and, and have mass again. And we start to open up buildings and do programs or other things again. But again, how do we focus back on the Great Commission? Going back to that evangelization zeal, to baptize, you know, to, to convert everybody, to make disciples, to baptize them, and then follow the Son of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's, I don't want to lose that. And, and we need to be, we will lose it if we don't intentionally continue to talk about it, especially as we get back to normal. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, again, uh, great conversation. And Rich, always great to have you on the show. And I don't care what people say, we'll just ignore that feedback because uh, we, we definitely would love to have you back on as we talk about some of these big picture um, issues as well. Um, if people want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way to connect with you? 
Uh, with me personally, the easiest way is just to, to go to our Parish Success Group website. You can drop me a line right there, or it's rich at Parish Success Group. Uh, I'm not a big social media guy. We have them as a company, but uh, that's by far the easiest way. I'm the old-fashioned, let's sit down and have a conversation uh, kind of guy. So parishsuccessgroup.com is the easiest way. I heard you had a big TikTok uh, channel starting up. So, yeah. <laughs> I had to have my kid. I had to ask my kid what TikTok was because I said the only thing I know about TikTok is how a clock works. That's about it. There you uh, go. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, for for all things rich, definitely go to parishsuccessgroup.com. And if uh, you want to connect with John, uh, you can go to that similar place, that same place. But John is on social media. And John, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Well, I've been off and on social media, as Rich knows. I did take a break. I had to take a couple-week break over Twitter because it was driving me insane. But, yeah, uh, at John Ronaldo on Twitter. Having some good conversations there, talking about uh, Eucharist, opening up, uh, uh, the difference between being Eucharist and consuming Eucharist. So, you know, we're trying to, to, to do some fun, thought-provoking things on there. So join us there. But if not, you know, parasuccessgroup.com is where you can get all my other information. If you want to know more about John's relationship with social media, you should go back a couple of episodes uh, (laughs) because we did have a a pretty heart-filled conversation in regards to that. If you want to connect with me, go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com or uh, all things Marathon Youth Ministry on social media. But if you want to connect with us here at The Church Podcast, go to thechurchpodcast.org or shoot us an email at questions at thechurchpodcast.org. We would love to know, like, what are your big questions when it comes to opening back up or or doing – ministry in this virtual age or, or uh, uh, any other question that might be uh, crossing your plate. Um, if there are certain guests or people that you'd like to see on the show, again, reach out to us at questions at the church And if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or share this with your friends. But uh, again, Rich, thank you so much for being with us. And, uh, and uh, again, we look forward to having you uh, again. And John, Uh, Will you close us with prayer? Absolutely. Be honored to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I know we are in uncertain times, uh, doing new things, thinking differently, Lord, uh, about things. Lord, we just ask that you send your spirit upon us so that we can really innovate, really do what we need to do to, to reach your people, Lord, to keep that, that zeal of evangelization and, and, and to keep having vision and having the conversation, the hard conversations of that vision of who we are as church and how we go about baptizing all and, and, and creating disciples, Lord. So just be with us. This is, these are tough times, Lord. We know it for all of us, so mentally, emotionally, economically, physically, just so many ways. Spiritually, Lord, send your healing powers upon us. Send your mercy upon us as we continue to strive to, to, to fulfill your mission, to do that you have called us to do. So Lord, that's our prayer. Come to us, be with us, guide us, lead us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the invitation.